Welcome, everybody. Good to see you tonight. We are going to go through such an amazing little book tonight uh, titled Ruth. And Ruth is, all I can say is I wish I could be like Ruth. She's so kind and compassionate. And you're going to see in the scriptures, we don't have time to read all four chapters, but I would really recommend to you when you have a chance to read this little book. It's just amazing. There's so much in there that there's no way I can possibly cover it tonight. So I'm going to summarize some things, but for the most part, we're going to find out about this lovely woman and who we would like to be like. So would you join me in prayer and we'll get started. Let's pray. Father God, uh, your word is so amazing. And just the things that you teach us, Lord, out of your word and how you seem to know us so well, Lord. And so, Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus that your word would speak to everyone that's listening tonight, Lord, that your word would bring hope, Lord, to those that are hopeless, that, Lord, you would bring um, comfort to those that need to be comforted. So, Lord, your word does all that for us. Thank you for it. We ask, Lord, that you would bless our time together, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, darling, so like I said, this is um, Ruth. Uh, in your homework, it's, it's four little chapters, but in your homework is chapter three. So I'm going to kind of summarize chapters uh, two, three, and four. Uh, we're going to go through chapter one uh, word by word because there's a lot of information there, and I think you can get a pretty good idea about this lovely, lovely woman. So this book is about Ruth. She's the main character. She is this godly woman who is actually a pagan. She's a Moabite. She's not Jewish. She's Moabite. And this is a, a story of personal loss, tragedy. Um, but it's a beautiful relationship between a widow and a daughter-in-law. You're going to see that. And we see how God restores that that has been taken away from him. He's just amazing. And how God can take something so very, very bad and turn it into something beautiful. Haven't you seen that in your life? I, I see situations where I go, Lord, I just don't know how anything good can come out of this. But he, there's nothing impossible for our God, amen. And he can take something so bad and turn it into something beautiful. And you're going to see that in this, this uh, little lovely book of Ruth. And there's also something I want to tell you about this story that is so cool. It's a love story. Yeah, a lot of tragedy, but it turns out to be a love story. So I'm going to give you a little history on where we're at. The, uh, the place where we begin is in Bethlehem. Of course, that's where Jesus would be born many centuries later. It's in the country of Judah. So when you read the book of Ruth, sometimes it'll say Bethlehem and sometimes it'll say Judah. So same basic thing. The next city we're going to see is Moab, and this is the pagan city. They worship a god called Chemish, and we don't know a whole, much, a whole lot about him. We just know that he's a deity for them. So the period in history is during the time of the judges. Remember, we did Deborah. She was a judge. Then we did Rahab and now Ruth. So kind of in that same timeline, the time of the judges. And at this particular time, it was a time of famine. There was famine in the land everywhere. And it was also a moral decline of the Jewish people. They were not worshiping Jehovah like they should have been. But isn't he so compassionate? He always takes them back. You know, you read the Old Testament and they turned against him, then they came back, and they turned, and then they came back, and that's what you're going to see here as well. 
Well, you won't see it totally, but you'll see a little bit, okay? So let me just tell you about the people in our story so that when we read this, you'll understand what it's about. The father's name is Elimelech. The mother's name is Naomi. And there are two sons. They have two sons, Malan and Kilian. And there's two Moabite women in this story. The first one is Ruth. And her name means friendship or companion. And the second one is Orpah, not not uh, the lady on TV, not, okay? It's Orpah, you, uh, and her name means youthful or immature, and you're going to kind of see she's a little immature. So the family of Elimelech, the Naomi and the, the two sons, they move from Bethlehem to Moab because they're thinking maybe they can find food there because there's a famine. So not exactly the best choice, but that's the way our story goes. So we're going to start in chapter 1. I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 5, and this is the New Living Testament. In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. There were two sons, Mahon and Kilion. They were Ephroditus from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. Then Elimelech died. And Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah, and the other named, uh, married a woman named Ruth. But about 10 years later, both Mahan and Kilian died. This left Naomi all alone without her two sons or her husband. It sounds pretty tragic so far. And, you know, we don't know what, what the father died of. And then for 10 years, uh, the two sons were married to Ruth and to Orpah. But, and then they both died. And we don't know how. I'm thinking maybe a camel accident, maybe. <laughs> I don't know how they died. But anyhow, they died. So here we are, okay? with three widows, basically, okay? So the next thing that happens is uh, Naomi, the mom, okay, she decides to return to her home in the city of Bethlehem. The two daughters-in-law follow her, but Ruth is the only one that goes uh, with her. So you're going to see that in this next portion. This is uh, Ruth chapter 1, verses 6 through 13 out of the NLT. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back to your mother's homes, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. No, they said, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, why should you go with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible, and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. 
things are far more better for uh, things are far more bitter for me than for you because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me you see she had totally lost all the promises of God, had not been serving him. So now she thinks he's punishing her, that he's raised his fist against her because all of these things has happened. She's lost her husband. She's lost her two sons. And she doesn't really want the daughters, daughters-in-law to go with her. So, and no, Naomi believed that, you know, come on, I'm too old. There's no way you girls I'll ever be able to give you a husband. But, you know, God does the impossible. So we're going to see maybe that's not quite true in this story. We'll see. And, um, you know, we kind of need to get to the end of the story to know that. But never, ever doubt the plans of God. And in Jeremiah 32, 17, it says, O sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing. Not even getting another husband. So a little mystery to our story. It sounds kind of sad so far, but it's going to get much, much better. Okay. So the question is, how big is your God? Do you believe that God has raised his fist against you? Are you having a rough time? Do you wonder where God is? Can I tell you that he's right next to you? He's right with you. His Holy Spirit is within you and that he'll help you through anything. Our God can do the impossible. He's an amazing God. You all know Jeremiah 29, 11, and when we read this, listen, and, and I'm guilty of this too, don't just read the words. Listen to the words. Think about what they mean. Let's, let's, let's look at it. It says, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. That is so true, loved ones. You need to remember that. Naomi had forgotten this promise. And this is Jeremiah, Old Testament. She should have known that, but she totally forgot that at this point. All she could see was disaster, you know. But Ruth, our sweet Ruth, you're going to see she saw hope, not disaster. And so we don't really know how much Ruth knew about Jehovah, but I assume with the 10 years that she was married to, to one of her sons that she must have told her because uh, she must have told her about Jehovah and his goodness because somehow she, she knew about him. So we see now that the two girls want, want to follow uh, Naomi, but uh, she doesn't want them to. And, you know, talking about God raising his hand against you, listen to what it says in uh, Lamentations 3, 31 through 33. It says, For no one is abandoned by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he also shows compassion. Because of the greatness of his unfailing love, for he does not enjoy hurting people or causing them sorrow. So God had not forgotten her. He's a God of mercy and a God of love. He is simply correcting her. There's a difference about correcting and punishing because God doesn't punish us. Oh, in verses 14 through 18, it says, and again, they wept together. This is the three girls. Again, they wept together and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to, to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God 
will be my God. Wherever you, whenever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. She knew she wasn't going to change her mind. This was a lady that was determined. So you see, she knew about God because she said, you know, let your God be my God. So she must have known about Jehovah because she chose Jehovah. And, and you know, verse 16, uh, wherever you go, I will go. That's such a famous verse uh, because it's interesting that a Gentile, spoke that in the Old Testament, very, very unusual. But our Ruth is a very, very unusual lady. So now we have the three widows, right? Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth. So Orpah chooses the, diff the easy path. She goes back to her home and to her gods, but Ruth chooses the more difficult path because she knows that this is the path that the Lord is leaving her, leading her and giving her a new life. So some of the characteristics we see in Ruth so far is that she is so devoted to her mother-in-law. And some of you are probably thinking, I'm nah, not so sure I'm devoted to my mother-in-law like that. But maybe we should be a little bit more, huh? She was totally devoted to her. She was faithful in choosing the God of, of the Israelites. And she was determined to go in spite of the obstacles. She wanted to go with her mother-in-law. That, that's such an amazing thing. And she promises never to leave Naomi, not even un until death. And so she made the right choices, even though it was the most difficult path for her to go, because a journey for two women in those days would be pretty difficult. It was maybe one or two day journey back to uh, Bethlehem, but still it was a difficult thing to do, but she chose that path. So my question to you is this, what if you were in Ruth's position? What path do you think you would have chosen? The easy path or the difficult path? You know, and I, I, when I read this and working on the study, I went, wow, Lord, I, you know, I got to tell you, <laughs> I'm not sure which way I would have gone, you know, because, uh, you know, you want to take the easy way out, just like we do today. I mean, we make choices every single day. So this is choice that Ruth made. But how about us? We have choices every day we need to make, what we're going to do. Are we going to choose the right path to do that that we think that, that God is leading us? Or are we going to choose the path that's easy and forget about our Lord? I pray it's the first one, that we choose the path that the Lord leads. We just read Jeremiah 29, 11, okay? He's not going to lead you in a path for disaster. He's going to lead you in a path for good to give you a future and give you a hope. We need to remember that, girls. Verses 19 through 22, this, we're going to finish up chapter 1, and then we'll kind of summarize it. So the two of them, this is Naomi and Ruth, the two of them continued on their journey. When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Is it really Naomi? The woman, the women asked. And she says, don't call me Naomi. She responded, instead call me Mara. For the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? You see, I'm so out of fellowship here. So Naomi returned from Moab accompanied by her daughter-in-law Ruth, the young Moabite woman. They arrived in Bethlehem in the late spring at the beginning of the barley uh, harvest, which would have been 
uh, for the Jews Pentecost. So verse 20, you know, Bethlehem is a really, really small community and you know, not like today, it's like if, if you go into Torrance, nobody's gonna say, hey, how you doing? Good, good to see you come back. You know, they don't even know you. But in those days, the towns were so small that when Naomi came back, it was like, oh, you know, so happy to have you back. But she wasn't very happy. And I'm not gonna talk about Naomi too much because we're going, that is our next woman that we're gonna study, so that's next week. So I don't wanna touch on that. Uh, but just know that she's not a happy camper, so to speak, okay? So um, she said when she, she left full, in other words, when she left Bethlehem, she had a husband and two sons. She came back totally empty, no husband, no children. So returns, uh, it was something very empty. And then I thought, you know, she felt so empty inside. I, I thought about us, you know, and I know sometimes that I feel empty. You know, maybe something's going on in your life where you just feel that, that emptiness that nobody cares about you. You feel all alone, you know, and that's the way Naomi was feeling. But, you know, God is a God of mercy and he's a God of love. And again, he was not punishing Naomi. She thought he was, but he was simply correcting her. So sometimes, girls, when we go through these problems and we think this is really terrible, maybe the Lord is just correcting us. He's not punishing us. He's trying to get us on that right path the one that he knows that is going to work for us. Proverbs 3, 11 through 12 says, and I changed the gender to daughter instead of son. My daughter, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the daughter in whom he delights. You see, he loves you. He's not punishing you. He loves you. A good father will chasten his children, won't he? And, you know, and I thought about this, um, this whole story, and I thought how interesting that this pagan lady, Ruth, would want to go the path of Jehovah when Naomi is suffering so much. And she's suffering as well. I mean, she's lost a husband, but Naomi has lost a husband and two sons. And sometimes I think that people are just more drawn to us when we're going through a difficult time. Because it depends upon your attitude, you know. Are you going to become bitter during your trial, during your rough time? Are you going to do continue trusting in the Lord and not really understanding why, what's going on, why the Lord is doing what he's doing, but you know that he has a plan for you, and it's for good. That's what he promised you. So I, that, I thought that was interesting, that at a time of suffering, she sees this lady and she wants to follow her God. Amazing thing. Psalm 119, 75 through 76 says, I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right, and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Let, I pray, your merciful kindness be my comfort according to your word to your servant. So you see, the psalmist understood that too. He said, you know what, Lord? Had you not afflicted me, I wouldn't be in the place that I am today. I know that it's good. I know that your kindness is good. And, and I can so agree with the psalmist here because I thought about my affliction, thought about my car accident and all that and all the surgeries I had have because of that. Uh, I can honestly say, did I understand why? No. And I, you know, went through a, a lot of depression, a lot of, a lot of, you know, bad thinking and everything. But what brought me back 
was the word of God because that's where our answers are. And when you need answers, you need to search the word of God and see what it has to say for you. And that's what brought me back. And that's what brought me to the place where I am today. Not that I've arrived, ladies. I've got a long ways to go. But brought me spiritually to the place where I am today because you see, now I have the opportunity to minister to others. Now I can say when you tell me you're in pain, I went, okay, I, I totally understand that. When you tell me, hey, I had a meltdown, I can totally understand that. Now I got to tell you, before my car accident, I heard girls talk about meltdowns. I didn't even know what that meant. All I thought was like butter melting. You know, what does that mean? A meltdown. How does a person have a meltdown? Uh, but I found out, you know, so <laughs> I can relate. Meltdowns, okay? I understand if you're discouraged. I understand if you get depressed. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see how God can make the impossible possible? How he can take something that to me looks so very, very bad. But today, I tell you, I'm a blessed woman because of it. Okay, yeah, do I have some problems? Sure. But you know what? My God's on the throne, and, and I'm, I'm so very, very thankful. Not thankful that the, I had the car accident, but thankful for what he did with me through that time. So I think it's important for all of us when you go through these difficult times that you remember the promises of God, you know, that he has a purpose for you for whatever's going, whatever your circumstance is, and all of us have different things going on, and his timing is perfect. Not our timing, his timing. And our ways are not his ways, but his ways are always perfect. And you know he's going to lead you in the path that he wants you on. And sometimes that takes a little correction. So only the Lord can bring that joy and fulfillment back into our lives if we continue to trust him. Now, I have to go back to our verse and my life verse that last week that we talked about this as well. But again, when you read these scriptures, especially the promises, think about what it is the Lord's saying to you. And you all know this, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in him with all of your heart, everything. Lean not to your own understanding. Don't listen to those things that are going on in your head. Don't, li don't lean on your own understanding in all your ways. All your ways. <laughs> Even when an airplane goes by and makes a lot of noise. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. Is that beautiful? Do you believe it, girls? Can you say amen? Thank you, thank you, you're there, you're awake, yay. <laughs> so now I'm going, that's the end of chapter one. Now I'm going to summarize verses uh, two and four. Like I said, chapter three is in your homework, so we won't go over that. We're going to do that during the question and answer time. So what we found out in um, verses uh, two through, well, one through 16, that Ruth is this kind, faithful woman but in that chapter, it talks about her also being a good worker. Right away, when she gets settled in Bethlehem, she goes to the fields and begins to gather grain or barley, as the, as the scripture says. And you know, it was interesting how the Jewish law provided for people who um, didn't have food, the strangers, um, kind of those people did, that just couldn't go out and work. He provided for them because the reapers would leave just a little bit of grain uh, left over. They wouldn't take it all, leave a little bit. And so Ruth went to that field and began to gather 
actually the leftovers, basically. And that's what the people did. So interesting uh, that the field that she goes to, this is where the story is starting to get juicy. It's really good. She happens to go to the field that belongs to Boaz. Oh, my, what a coincidence. And it so happens that Boaz is a relative of her dead father-in-law. Oh, my, what a, con what a coincidence that is. And Boaz just happens to notice this girl out there picking up this grain, and he inquires about her to find out who she is. And then he goes and he talks to her. And he knew, like I said, small community, he knew uh, that she was the daughter-in-law of Naomi, that her husband had died, and he knew about her kindness to Naomi. He, he, he said, um, you know, you, you have been so kind to her, how blessed you are. And he was so touched by that kindness that he actually offered up a prayer for her. And this is what he said. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. So we see this, this wealthy man, because he owns all these fields, he's a kind, compassionate man. He's also a godly man. Everything we want in a man. Psalm 36, 7 says, How precious is your unfailing love, O God. All humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. See, that was his prayer. He said, you know, that you would take refuge under the wings of Jehovah. That was his prayer for her. So in the same with us too, you can, I like that analogy of the, the mother uh, hen, right? Where she takes her little baby chicks and she keeps them warm and she keeps them, uh, you know, uh, sheltered from any harm. That's the same thing the Lord does with us. He's got these giant wings that we can come under and he is our refuge. He will protect you. He will keep you safe, I promise. And so Boaz invites Ruth to eat with his workers. He wants to make sure she has some food. And he instructs the reapers to leave a little extra for Ruth behind. He also instructs the workers, don't you dare touch this woman. He wants her protected. So he was, he was an amazing man. He wanted to make sure uh, that she got everything she needed. And she ended up gathering, and this is very unusual, a whole bushel full of barley that she took home to Naomi. I mean, I don't know how far the bushels, what they were, but it was big. And when Naomi saw it, she knew something good was going on. And she said, you need to go back to that field again tomorrow. So in chapter three and chapter four, just kind of summarize again, um, Naomi knows that Boaz is a close relative, uh, which makes him a kinsman redeemer. And she was not aware that there was another one ahead of him, that with the kinsman re redeemer, what happens is, is that this is a law that God put in order to keep the bloodline going back in those days, or the tribe, okay, but to keep that bloodline going. That, for instance, if two brothers, there were two brothers and one died, then the, the one that lived would be a kinsman redeemer for his sister-in-law. You see, so that kept the bloodline going. So that's, that's what's happening here. She, and she knows, Naomi, she's going to instruct uh, Ruth to do something that, that you're going to go, really? That's in the scripture? That doesn't sound quite right. But she knows that Boaz is an honorable man. And she knows that Ruth is a very virtu virtuous woman. So in chapter 3, Naomi instructs Ruth to wash herself, get cleaned up, put on your best, your best dress, and in the evening, go and lie down at the feet of Boaz on the, 
uh, threshing floors. So he stayed in, in, in his, uh, you know, out there in the fields uh, in the threshing floor, which would have been uh, a shelter for him. And then the law, the law goes that she is to uncover his feet and lie at his feet. So that sounds a little strange. I know it does. But listen, that was the, not only the culture, but the Jewish law for the kinsman redeemer that she, this is how Boaz knew that she wanted him to be her kinsman redeemer. Does that make sense? If you want to know more about it, you can read it in Deuteronomy 25. It goes all through it, but it's the kinsman redeemer is such a beautiful thing. I kind of wish it was going on again today because it, it keeps the family in the family, so to speak. So Ruth follows the instructions of her mother-in-law, doesn't question them at all. She trusts her mother-in-law. She goes and, and does it, and she lies at his feet. And at midnight, he wakes up startled because someone's there, right? And he looks and he sees that it's Ruth. And he tells her, don't worry, you'll be fine. Just sleep here the night. But as soon as morning breaks, leave so that no one sees you because he didn't want people talking. Very small community, remember? So the kinsman redeemer is a theme of redemption. And so Boaz knows now that that she's available, Ruth is available. So he goes and he finds the other relative, the one that is actually next in line. And he says, hey, uh, you know, are you interested in this Moabite woman, this, this Ruth? And he goes, you know, he didn't say all this. I'm going to paraphrase it. <laughs> These are my words. You know, I think the guy probably had a wife and went, no, that's okay. Not interested in Ruth. Boaz goes, okay, well then, you know, I'll step in and do it, okay? So Boaz becomes a kinsman redeemer. He buys all of the property that belonged to Elimelech because that was the law then, so that everything that belonged to him now belongs to Boaz. And here we go, girls, guess what? He marries Ruth. Is that sweet? See all that tragedy? See how it turned out? Beautiful, right? We have a wedding here after all of that. So beautiful. What a great love story. And Ruth, it's interesting, being, like I said, a Moabite, she is listed in the lineage of the Messiah. In chapter uh, 1 of Matthew, you can read that if you'd like. Uh, it kind of goes like this. Boaz married Ruth. Now, Rahab, who we studied last week, she's Boaz's mother, okay? Uh, Ruth bore him a son and named him Obed. Obed begot Jesse. And Jesse is the father of, you know who it is? King David, right? And that's where the Messiah's bloodline begins with King David. So Boaz is King David's great grandfather. Don't you love how this all comes together? I love that. So now there are two women listed in the scriptures, pagan women, Gentile women. I shouldn't say pagan. Gentile women listed in the lineage of the Messiah, Rahab and Ruth. Absolutely beautiful. Okay, so let's bring it home to you and me. What about this kinsman redeemer? What does that mean? Do we have anyone that's like that in our lives? You bet, Jesus. His name is Jesus. Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. What did he do for you and me to redeem us, to pay the price? He gave his life right on the cross you see he redeemed us you know the song i am redeemed by the blood of the lamb right that's what that song is all about that's a song of redemption jesus redeemed us he paid the price that ultimate price for you and me and and that's why i love this kinsman redeemer because i think about jesus i actually on my phone that's my uh ringtone is uh that uh i am redeemed 
by Big Daddy Weave, that, that's my ringtone, to remind me every time my phone rings, I'm redeemed. I have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Don't ever forget that, girls. So important. Jesus paid the ultimate price for you and me. Okay, so then what did we learn from the book of Ruth? Well, we, about her. The, and this is, like I said, I, oh, if I could be like Ruth, I want to be all these things. She was kind. She was faithful. She was a good person. She was virtuous. She was obedient. She made good choices. She didn't always choose the easy path. Okay, she made good choices. She was a good worker. She provided food for Naomi. And then we see what we learned about God. We saw that God can take that tragedy that happened in their lives, and look what he did. He gave Naomi a grandchild. Isn't that awesome? Because Naomi, or Ruth is still Naomi's uh, daughter-in-law, right? She marries boys, they have a baby, Obed, right? So she finally has a grandchild. So isn't that, you see how if she had thought about the promises of God, even though she didn't understand what was going on, look what he did for her. The greatest thing he could have done for her, give her a grandchild. I don't know if there's any grandmas out there, you totally understand that. So nothing, nothing is too hard for our God. And he has a plan for our lives to give us a future and a hope. And he doesn't punish us. He corrects us. Remember that. And he will take those difficult times in your life and I'm a witness, okay, and turn them into something good. And through all of that, he will strengthen you. It's amazing. You're feeling so weak, and you come out feeling so much stronger. We can trust him, can't we? We can trust him to lead us, no matter what our circumstance may be. So, loved ones, that's, that's where we are in the book of Ruth. And it's just... Uh, so much in that book that I, I really want you to, hopefully you'll go back and read all four chapters. We'll learn about more about Naomi next week. We'll just kind of finalize it for you. But I want you just to think about this faithful woman. You know, some of those instructions, if she'd told me to go lie at some guy's feet, I would have went, Are you, really? You know, I, I'm not quite sure I would have done that. But Ruth, she knew, she trusted her. She trusted her mother-in-law. And she did it, and look what the Lord did, made something beautiful out of it. And don't ever, ever forget that Jesus is our kinsman redeemer, that he came and he died for you and me. I think that's, for me, just one of the most important things I got out of this, this story was that Jesus, the price he paid for you and me, don't ever, ever forget it, loved ones. That's, that's who we are, right? We're redeemed. We, we, uh, we were paid for with a price that, that, it, that you can't even put a value on it, can you? You can't put a value on his life. It's just amazing to me when I think about how Jesus stepped out of paradise, came to earth knowing exactly what he was, what he, why he was coming here, knowing exactly what his end was. I even think about when he was in the garden and, and being coarse and talked about this, how he sweat bloods of, uh, tear, uh, sweats of, of blood you know, because he was going to the cross, but he did that for you and me, and we need to remember that. Amen? Amen. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the lessons that you've taught us here, Lord. Thank you that, Lord, you never stop loving us. You never stop leading us. You never stop giving us all your mercy and kindness, Lord, and 
And Father, I pray for each of these women that are sitting here and those that are online that are maybe going through a tough time right now. Lord Jesus, would you remind them that you are, you are the purchase price for them, that Lord, uh, you will see them through this. They may not understand why, but Lord Jesus, you have a purpose for what's happening, and you will not leave them. You will never abandon them. You will never leave them alone. You will be with us always. So, Lord, thank you for everything that you have done for us. Thank you for your amazing word. Thank you for everything we learned about this amazing, godly woman named Ruth. So, Father, bless these women, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.